much of the world <clears throat> prepares to celebrate Easter, we think about events this week that led up to Easter and the, his final entrance into Jerusalem was one of the first things. And, and as much as our hearts were filled just now to worship him and to adore him and to give our lives to him, there was that kind of fervor and that was, there was that kind of excitement as he came into Jerusalem, possibly for the wrong reason. They possibly were looking for a king. But at any rate, the excitement and the fervor and the worship was there. In Matthew 21, if you want to follow along, beginning in verse, let's see. Beginning in verse 8, Matthew 21, verse 8, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And then it was downhill from there. <laughs> um, he went on to <clears throat> clear the temple and made many friends there that day. And, uh, um, and his enemies had been looking all along uh, for ways to trap him and to, to get him, to, uh, to arrest him and um, do what they finally did to him. It began the very first day that he preached. That was a great beginning, his very first sermon. They tried to throw him over a cliff and kill him. That was a great warming and welcome start that he had. And we discussed briefly in home group this week, I told the, our group that I was uh, going to preach on, there was uh, the tremendous popularity that Jesus had at times, and in this event when he entered Jerusalem the last time, and when he did miracles, and when he fed the thousands, and all this sort of thing, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, but there were these very things at times were reasons that people hated him, and the, the political and religious leaders eventually had their way and put him to death. And uh, I discussed briefly with the group, well, he was hated so much by some so how are we supposed to think that people are going to uh, feel towards us? And are people going to like us for believing in him? Are we going to be approved for believing in him? And, well, that's a rhetorical question, obviously. There's uh, about as much hatred for him and his followers today as there has ever been. But 
we, we know the story, and most of Christianity celebrates his saving death and resurrection this coming week and weekend and Easter Sunday, next Sunday. And there's tremendous focus on his saving deeds, his saving life, saving death, and his resurrection that raised us to life with him. And as we follow him and as we seek to be who he calls us to be, yes, it is true. He told his followers in John 16, 33, the world will make you suffer, yes. He assured his followers that you're going to, what, happened to, what happens to me is going to happen to you, and those early disciples paid the price. His closest followers were put to death in horrible ways, and those early generations of Christians, one of the reasons it began to be spread all over the world was because of the ways that they had to run for their lives, literally. And so there was, from the very beginning, that, that hatred and that opposition that continues in our time and led to his saving death and his death and resurrection saved the world again, as we know. But as we seek to live it out, as we seek to live out following him, it occurs to me that there's a, another side to this. In John 16, 33, he did tell his followers, the world will make you suffer. But at the end of that verse, he said, but, but, I've overcome the world. And he that is in you, 1 John 4, 4, is greater than he that is in the world. And he was telling them, preaching to them about joy the very night before he was to be arrested, tortured, and put to the most unspeakable death that we read about, we study about, but we have no idea how horrible it was. And he was speaking to them about joy. And his earliest followers, despite the fact that, as I say, they knew full well what they were in for, and many of them early on and continuously and up until our time, there are 50-some countries now where it's, including to some extent ours, where it's either illegal to be Christian or uh, where it could cost you your life, your property, your family, and all that sort of thing. So... That's a sobering, somber topic, but what I believe the Lord gave me to share is that there is another side to it, that, that joy that Jesus spoke about at the Last Supper, that no matter what they do to you, you can have joy, you can have love. And as we live that out, it occurs to me that it's just as well and just as uh, biblically honest to look at the joy that his followers have always had, as in Acts 2.42 and following, they, many were drawn to them. What were they doing? They were uh, going to the temple every day. They were sharing their assets. They were breaking bread together, and uh, it tells that... Uh, uh, Again, as it says, many, many were being added to them as they went along. So there is 
that joy that attracts people. There is a, a, uh, an attraction that is, is definitely there when we follow him. And as I uh, prayed and pondered about what I might share today, and it's always an honor to speak at this pulpit. I so much enjoy and honor Pastor Doug's sermons and everybody who uh, speaks at this microphone. It's, uh, it really is an honor to be invited. And um, I thought about ways that while we follow him and while we might be opposed or possibly even disliked for what we believe, are there ways that we can demonstrate and share the joy and love that, that Jesus talked about? Because love is a fruit of the Spirit. Love is one of the things that we always talk about as Christians. And, and I believe that there is a positive side that we can always display while we might be hated or disliked or not approved for what we believe we can always respond in love. We can always respond. We can be likable, is what I thought about uh, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit would have me share. And just, uh, I just thought of some examples. I'm, I'm kind of a simple man. I'm just a farm boy from North Dakota, actually. <laughs> I've been to school a lot. I've been educated uh, in things that I don't even understand. I could teach things I don't even understand, but um, but there are simple ways that we can love, really, even people who oppose us, who don't care for what we believe, and it can be right around us. I've been living on the street where I lived 20 years, and when I first moved in, I went around one by one to the neighbors over time and let them know who I was. And I, I would say things like, oh, let me know if I can do anything to help you or because I believe in being a good neighbor. Uh, there was one immediately that I did not get along with, <laughs> but just one. All the others over time, there are 20-some up and down our street that I've come to know over the years. And I realized how well I know that, that list because the other day, well, two days this past week, one of our dogs ran away, and I was contacting neighbors and calling everybody, and, have you seen her? Have you seen her? And the little escape artist did come back now a second time, so uh, very happy about that. But uh, I realized that... I really have connected with the people on my street. And one of the ways that we relate to them is, is Arlene and I are always praying for their salvation. And we don't always get a positive response if we bring up the gospel or prayer or God. And one of the individuals, for example, that we shared with she literally responded to us and said, it was a strange phrase I had never heard this. She said, I'm not convertible, so don't try. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
when I think of convertible, I think of the top down on a car. But uh, anyway, so fine. But we continued to demonstrate love to this family and be kind. And I've done things like haul out our garbage, fix her wheelbarrow. Um, one day she called up the washing machine wasn't working. I know nothing about washing machines. I said, is it plugged in? Is there a live socket where you have it plugged in? Is the water hooked up? That's all I know. But I said, I'll pray over it. And I, I give God the praise. I prayed over it, and it worked for years after that. No kidding. I give God the glory. Another time, she drove a Volvo. I know nothing about Volvos. She calls up one day, car won't start. I said, okay, I don't know anything about your car, but I'll pray. And it started. <laughs> Later on, it wouldn't start again. And she knew who to call. <laughs> this time, we Googled and did some looking under the hood, and we actually found a part that needed replacing. I went and got the part, installed it, and the car actually worked, which is amazing. <laughs> I, again, I know nothing about Volvos. And so these things happen from time to time. We have another neighbor, uh, one of the first people I got involved helping with firewood. By the way, and Ar Arlene taught me how to run a chainsaw, and uh, that's a pretty cool part of our story. I never learned that when I was younger, but I liked it right away. And one of the neighbors, 80-something on our street, um, his eyesight began to fail, and he began to fail physically. And he was getting older, and he needed some help, obviously, with his wood. So I offered to help, and I cut his wood and split it. And uh, he was very grateful, except he came along and took out his tape measure, even though his eyesight was failing. And he said, some of these are over 16 inches. And they need to be 16 inches, and he made me go back and trim the pile that was over 16 inches, which I was glad to do. I, I'm nothing special. Jesus said, if you want to be great, serve the rest, Matthew 20, 26. And, and I believe in that. And we had opportunity to share with him before he died. I don't know that he ever did give his heart to Christ because when we would talk to him about God... He would say, you know what, I know one thing about preachers. They want your money and they want you to sing. <laughs> and I am not doing either one. And so <laughs> that was that. But one other gentleman that we helped early on, he moved, he was a city boy. We live out in the woods, and, and he moved to uh, our part of the country, which is all surrounded by woods. And he does not have a chainsaw. He does not have a truck. He doesn't know anything about this stuff. And so I help him from time to time. And as we would share with him from time to time, Again, it was perfectly clear that he was not having anything to do with our God, our Bible, our faith, or our political views either. <laughs> and, okay, fine, we'd still help him, and we've always been kind, and we've always been on good terms. 
Came a day he had a really bad day. I, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. He was driving down his driveway, which is very steep, lost control of his car, crashed into a tree, broke his leg in seven places. And I, maybe some of you have had a broken leg. I, I have no idea what kind of pain that must have been. Well, he was screaming, and he was screaming not for God, he was screaming for Cyril. Where's Cyril? And, well, well, we we called 911, but uh, and I, of course I did pray for him. And over the months that followed, there was a rehab time that followed, and he again he knew who to call, and he couldn't drive for quite a while, and so I took him places, and whatever he wanted me to do for him, I would do. Uh, I believe in that premise of make a friend and bring a friend to Jesus. And I uh, would always let him know that we were praying for him, and there would always be this response. <laughs> but, but we continue on good terms with this individual, and um, even as recently as last Sunday, he knows what I do Sunday morning, and... He waited till after church, and he called up and said, can you do me a favor today? And I said, that depends. And he said, well, tell me if you can first before I ask. I said, well, I got to know what it is first. <laughs> well, he had a dead battery, and could I go to town and get a dead battery? And sure, I, so I went right ahead and did that. Helped him put it in. And um, these are some examples of... <clears throat> of people close to us that um, I, I think as we, as we think about Jesus saving death and his commission to share his love with all the world and his forgiveness, it certainly extends to those around us who don't believe as we do and who seem to have their heads in a whole nother place. One, one other... <laughs> One other individual that I shared with, and I'll <clears throat> close with that example, um, is someone who declared very cheerfully recently that he was referring to the political scene and people in power and all that. And he said, You know, we've never had it so good. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, but in terms of uh, whether people like us or like our values or whether they agree with us, <clears throat> another, another thing that, that I try to do with those people in, in our midst, we are definitely in a spiritual battle. As, uh, Doug has talked about it that a uh, number of times in his sermons, and we talk about it among ourselves. And... We are called to do deliverance, and we have a deliverance team, and uh, we are called, uh, as Ephesians 6 talks about, to combat those powers, the um, wickedness in, in principalities and powers and in high places, and we are called to resist evil these days, and I'm, I'm not talking about civil war, but I'm talking about the spiritual battles that we that we are called to wage and to, and to pray for and to be active in, and each of us is 
called to do our part in these times that, again, I'll, I'll close where I started, that there is incredible wickedness, and that doesn't, doesn't need convincing. It doesn't, I don't think I need to convince any person here about that. But um, Jesus, in surrendering his life and allowing wicked people to have his way with him, did save the world. And that's what we celebrate this, this week and weekend coming up. Easter week, it's called by some, and uh, certainly, uh, again, most Christians celebrate Easter Sunday, his resurrection next Sunday. And uh, I guess I'll just close where I started that I think even though we're, we're opposed in so many ways and we're, what we believe is uh, so looked down upon by powerful forces, I, I, I don't think we're going to lose, to put it mildly. I don't think we have a God who's a loser, do we? No. Is our God a winner? Yes. Amen. Well, that's it. And my God will win, as I know yours will too. And um, those are my thoughts today. And, and I, I pray in closing that we are able and that we find ways to do those little things to uh, maybe little and sometimes not so little to overcome evil because goodness does overcome evil and that we find ways to um, minister the truth sometimes without words and sometimes with words and that truly we do have his kingdom on earth as in heaven as he taught us to pray. Amen. Have a blessed week. God loves you, and I do too. Okay, we do need pickup chairs. School tomorrow. Thank you for doing that.